The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Why does one plus one equal two? Why can't we divide by zero? What is zero? What are numbers? Where does math come from? How do we know math is right? How do we know math is real? Is math real? Hi there, I'm Michael Kovnat, and this is the next Big Idea Daily. Today, I thought we'd try something a little bit different and do some math. Okay, did you just tense up a little? Not surprising. For most of us, math was really only something we did at school and then often under duress. But if we just give in to our math phobia, we're missing out on one of the most beautiful and surprising of human endeavors, an endeavor all the more remarkable for how magically it seems to map onto the real world. Open yourself up to the wonders of mathematics with these big ideas from Is Math Real? How Simple Questions Lead Us to Mathematics' Deepest Truths by Eugenia Chang. Eugenia has taught at the universities of Cambridge, Chicago, and Nice, and holds a PhD in pure mathematics from the University of Cambridge. She's written several popular books aimed at ridding people of math phobia and celebrating the creative, curious side of mathematics. Here she is. Math might seem like it's about answers, but an important part is about asking questions. This is how math has kept developing across history, by people asking more and more questions and not being satisfied with superficial answers. The questions might seem innocent, naive, or vague, or philosophical, but any question stemming from curiosity, confusion, scepticism, or even disbelief can lead to deep mathematics. I don't mean questions like, what's 84 times 107? I mean questions like, why does 1 plus 1 equal 2? Why can't we divide by 0? What is 0? What are numbers? Where does math come from? How do we know math is right? How do we know math is real? Is math real? Often in research math, it's not about getting right answers to things, but about asking why something is happening or in what contexts something is true. One plus one is often two, but there are also situations in which something else happens. Say, if you mix one colour of paint with one other colour of paint, you get one new colour of paint, not two colours. If you turn a piece of paper over and turn it over again, you get back to where you started. So in a sense, one plus one there is zero. If someone impatiently presses the button for the elevator after you've already pressed it, nothing new happens. You don't call two elevators. These aren't the sort of scenarios that usually come up in math class or in math tests, but they're all interesting mathematical ideas. They have fancy mathematical names like the cyclic group of order two or idempotence or binary operations. But you don't need to know that in order to think about paint and elevator buttons. In fact, it turns out that the questions research mathematicians care about are often the same questions 
asked by people who think of themselves as not math people. Research mathematicians and math-phobic people have many attitudes in common. We don't think math is obvious. We don't like just being told that things are true. And we don't want to have to memorise answers to anything. It doesn't matter whether math is real or not. It's still helpful. As I've already said, math is often not about what the answer is, and not even about why something is the answer, but in what context something is the answer, or in what sense something could be the answer. There can be many different answers, and the point is not which one is best, but in what ways the different answers help us. For example, is math real? Well, first we need to ask ourselves what real even means. Is anything real? Am I real? What are we actually asking here? Math is a framework for studying ideas and thought processes. Are ideas and thought processes real? Well, in a sense they're not, because we can just dream them up out of nowhere. But those are still real ideas. In a way, it doesn't matter if you count an idea as real or not, just as it doesn't really matter whether I think I'm real or not, I'll keep getting on with my life. What's important is whether math helps us or not. And I think it does. Let's not dismiss math as irrelevant just because it's kind of made up. Fiction is also made up, but can give us real insight into life. I think I learnt more about women's exclusion from society by reading Jane Austen than by studying statistics. I learnt more about the dangers of debt by reading Madame Bovary than by learning about compound interest, although understanding compound interest helped too. Math may or may not be just made up, but either way, I don't think that's the point. The point is that it gives us real insight into life. It helps with things like science, medicine, engineering, technology. But even if you're never going to work in those fields, math can still help you understand the world around you better. It even helps me understand political arguments. It helps me detect when people are trying to manipulate me. And it helps me empathise with other people because I can understand their arguments from their point of view. The typical math curriculum puts many people off math without achieving enough to outweigh that negative outcome. The typical math curriculum is all heading to standardised tests, and it doesn't leave space for people to ask curious, open-ended questions. And it should. It's not the fault of teachers, who are under pressure just to teach to fulfil preset requirements. It's a problem with the whole system. I meet many people who were so put off math at school that they've forgotten everything they learnt. They shudder with horror at the very idea of doing anything mathematical, and they feel stupid about that aspect of their abilities forever. People often say to me, I'm terrible at math, either defensively or even proudly, or they resign themselves to not being a math person. This is a really sad outcome. But I sympathise with this attitude because I used to do that with sports. I was put off all sports at school and I used to say I'm terrible at sports, defensively or even proudly. I resigned myself to being unfit and terrible at anything to do with a ball. But eventually I got over that once I found some things I could do just for me, 
where nobody else would be judging or humiliating me. I'm now more fit and healthy, and I also have a lot of fun. Too many adults are afraid of math or have a resistance to it, or they have a mental block and freeze around anything mathematical. This makes for confusion around important scientific concepts that affect society, like a pandemic, or climate change, or compound interest and debt. Moreover, it makes it easier for people to be misled and manipulated by politicians, or the media, or random internet celebrities. If that's the outcome of math education, then I think it was worse than pointless. Perhaps the pain would be worth it if some lasting skills were learned anyway. But if someone gets no lasting skills from it, and plenty of lasting pain, then it's the worst of both worlds. I hope we can stop making people feel bad about math. I hope we can validate everyone's questions and try to answer them as best we can instead of making them feel stupid for asking them. Thank you, Eugenia. Some good ideas for changing the way we learn and teach mathematics. Tomorrow, we'll be back with some other provocative educational ideas from the new book, Apprentice Nation. The author, Ryan Craig, will join us with some thoughts about how we can address the unaffordability of our colleges, the inequities of our meritocracy, and the inequalities of our economy, all with apprenticeships. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.